1: All right, before we start, our patron is going pretty strong, Lewis. Uh, Shout-outs to our $10 a month subscribers, Joe Jennings, Rosemary White, Haley Fisher, and uh, this is a big deal, Lewis. Walkley award-winning satirist and one of the most prolific and sharpest brains in comedy in Australia, Cathy Wilcox has become oh, a damn. scaremonger. yeah. Yeah. Wow, Kathy
0: Wilcox. That's amazing. I would have thought people at the SMH couldn't afford to donate money, but thank you, <laughs> Kathy. That's huge. Uh, no, they're at Channel Nine now. They can. They, they've got German money, German oh. banker money. Yeah. Of course, of course. That's amazing. Hey, Dan, when am I going to see some of this money?
1: <laughs> well, as soon as you start paying for the podcast, you can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank, sure. you, thank you so much, Cathy. We're all big fans here. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear. We've got some big guests coming down the line. Next week, we have Alice Fraser, Tim Mitchin, and also Ben Rhodes, who was Obama's Deputy National Security Advisor, and he hosts uh, Pod Save the World. I'm not, I'm not mucking around here, Lewis. Big guests. Yeah, we've got big guests here, Dan. You'd say in this right in front of our current guest. <laughs> well, I know. We've got some of the best guests. We'll introduce them shortly. <laughs> I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on the land of the Gadigal in the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. Let's start the show.
4: Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair D*** and Section 40 Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences.
1: Tonight, after spending his third night in intensive care due to contracting COVID-19, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson's health is improving. Despite his best efforts, Bojo has decided against Boxit and will remain in the UK. And investigators have boarded the Ruby Princess to question the crew and gather evidence in the ship's role as a vehicle for spreading human suffering, as well as coronavirus. And You Know Who was released from you know where and you know what was said there wasn't enough evidence to keep him behind bars for being a big, dirty, you know what? A p-ball. There we go. I said it. I said it. I'll probably bleep it, but I said it. Go for a run and grab a kebab. It's time for Irrational Fear.
0: Irrational
5: Fear! And don't forget to unplug your
4: set.
1: Let's meet our fearmonger tonight. He's one of Australia's most employable unemployed comedians. He's my former boss and returning fearmonger, Tom Ballard.
4: Hello, Dad. Hello, Lewis. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's good hey, to have you, Tom. Tom Welcome nice back to, to see to you again.
1: Long-time follower,
4: first-time (laughs) fearmonger. This is a shit show already. (laughs) Fucking hell. You know what was better is when we were all in the same room and, like, you could sort of talk to each other. (laughs) That's a better system. I don't know why we've gone to this work from home, moment.
3: Boris Johnson is a huge fan of that system, as we found out. (laughs) That is
4: the
1: voice of long-time follower, first-time fearmonger from the press gallery of the Australian Parliament House. It is The Guardian's Amy Remekas
3: hey hello hello
1: how are you amy how's parliament house right now
3: socially distant which <laughs> is you know how best parliament house operates really
1: and she came on the podcast four weeks ago and as they say things escalated very quickly from there she's the head of school of public health and social work at QUT it's professor hillary bambrick
6: hi dan hi everyone
1: and he claims he isn't riddled with the disease despite being fully sick it is lewis hobber Oh, thank you, Dan. I never claim to
0: be not riddled with disease. That would be very easily proven to be untrue. (laughs) And on the show
1: tonight, uh, we will be doing a COVID-19 catch-up with Hillary. We'll have a chat with the Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, and former globetrotting comedian Marcus Ryan will be doing stand-up from his cancelled Melbourne Comedy Festival show right here on the podcast. But first, you may remember a few weeks ago, Lewis, uh, we had Robbie McGregor as our sponsor reading Mark Latham's tweets. Do you remember
0: that? Who could forget? I, I, uh, I, I, have Because I value my sanity, I muted Mark Latham's tweets so long ago, but that one was really worth risking the brain for. What an absolute <laughs> shit show. Well, he is
1: back with a whole new sponsor package.
5: Frydenberg Industries and Audible presents economic measures as you've never heard them
3: before. From his
5: hermetically sealed home studio in the Southern Highlands, Robbie McGregor. Australia's most well-known sexiest voice. Okay, ready. Says the words stimulus package for three sexy hours. Stimulus package. 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 Ride the wave of fiscal foreplay. Stimulus package. Stimulus package. Stimulus package. Stimulus package. To economic eroticism. Stimulus Package, oh Stimulus Package! Stimulus Package! Ride the Dow Jones bull all the way until his bubble bursts. Stimulus Package, Stimulus Package! Stimulus Package! Oh, Stimulus Package! Frydenberg's Stimulus Package is guaranteed to get everyone excited. Except for freelancers, migrants and casual workers. If you use the offer code hashtag fuck Freelancers, get a 20-minute bonus of Robbie McGregor saying the words quantitative easing. Quantitative easing. Quantitative easing. Stimulus Package is available to download from the Audible store now. If you're registered for GST. Oh, Stimulus Package. <laughs> we uh,
1: love our sponsors here at, at Irrational Fear. Paulie <laughs> McGregor's is too good for that. <laughs> it turns out he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Irrational Fear.
2: Stimulus package. Well, this is a very substantial package. This is a rational fear.
1: Well, first things first, the police powers that have come into effect during this health crisis have seen thousands of people be slapped with $1,000 fines for ignoring social distancing rules. You know, when white men came to this country and turned it from a disease-free oasis into a penal colony, they they never really looked back. This is like... Right now, we're living Tony Abbott's wet dream. In New South Wales uh, this week, two off-duty cops were fined after they were walking down King Street in Newtown drunk, uh, which is great. The article says, police conducted further inquiries and established the 27-year-old woman, a serving senior constable attached to the Police Transport Command and the 31-year-old man had been at a party in a nearby apartment at a social gathering. A 27-year-old man, a serving senior constable attached to to Fairfield City Police Area Command and a 28-year-old woman and a 31-year-old man were also in attendance. The police are just partying. This week in New South Wales, more $1,000 fines were handed out to an 18-year-old woman for being in a group of more than two people. She was given the $1,000 fine. My question is, what about the other two people? Why weren't they they given $1,000 fines? Uh, Then another $1,000 fine was given to a 36-year-old cyclist who had no valid reason for being on the road.
3: That's fair. It's a fair fine, I think. That's, That's the first thing you've said again.
0: that would actually make
4: Tony Abbott really angry. Oh, my God. The most <laughs> Sydney shit in the world is cops giving fines to bike, bikers for just being cyclists out on the road.
3: I'm a Queenslander, so I think it's like completely, yeah, I think it's it's universal. And I'm going to get so much hate mail from this. I know. I absolutely know. But, I mean, I would fine cyclists for
1: existing. <laughs> I misread it. It was motorcyclists. <laughs> but the thing is, no, like.
3: find me on Twitter. Send me all of your angry dick.
1: But the question is, like, how hard is it to remember to tell the cops that you're going to the shops?
5: How hard is it to have
1: an alibi? The al- All the things you can go outside for are pretty are easy to remember. Like, who is forgetting these reasons? <laughs> Uh, in Victoria, the fines are way worse. They're sixteen hundred and fifty-two dollars. And Tom, you found this great story of a group of blokes playing backyard cricket that all got <laughs> fined sixteen hundred bucks each. Sixteen hundred bucks—the most.
4: Uh, again, I would find anyone playing cricket at all times as well. I feel like they are committing a crime and wasting public resources and time, and uh, I support that. Uh, if nothing else, but yes, they were all four of them. They were, they were breaking those social distancing rules. Victoria's going crazy. We're we're finding way more than you guys. I think we've we've found three hundred people in the last week, whereas New South Wales is only at a hundred. And I think when you're beating New South Wales at being cops, you are <laughs> crushing it, baby. <laughs>
5: with,
4: Love with those the- off-duty police officers too. Like just cop. Do you know the extreme circumstances it takes for New South Wales police? To to you know, dish out any kind of punishment for another New South Wales police officer. These, these are crazy <laughs> times we live in.
0: Yeah, Just you can strip search a money. minor and they won't care.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like money. a New South Wales minister being held to account for something.
6: It's that rare. That's fucking crazy, man. We have to raise money for the stimulus package somehow. So you can <laughs> <find a>
1: package.
6: <laughs> but who Are is we playing
1: cricket people? closer than 1.5 metres to each other as well? Surely that could be Canada's exercise.
3: <laughs> uh, well, one of my favourite fine stories was from Queensland with a group having a party in Maroochydore who when the police rocked up went pandemic what pandemic we have no idea what you're talking about oh very oh, queensland response as a, as
1: a queenslander uh, how what have you got to say for your people amy
3: oh greatest nation on earth <laughs> we were I,
0: I was when they closed down the borders to queensland my first thought was thank god and then uh, <laughs> ever since it's become a firmer and firmer border i'm getting so comfortable with the idea of each state really locking themselves off in particular Queensland. Like I, I think that we, uh, in a beautiful world in 20 years, Queensland has not opened the borders (laughs) and it has just turned into a wild West pandemonium where like the catters rule the world. The North Queensland cowboys have turned into a militia. It's just a a full mango and banana split down the middle. I, I would put up cameras and lock off Queensland and watch. That's unkind, Lewis. We've got
1: two Queenslanders on the show today.
3: Look, I was going to say, if you and Bobcat are on the same side of an argument, then maybe you need to second guess where you are in life. That's all I'm going to say.
4: I think if they try and shut down the cruise ship industry, Queensland will succeed (laughs) once and for all. They say you're taking away our culture and what we stand for.
7: You're hey, not, uh, we
3: did not allow the Ruby Princess to dock, all right? So take your southern privilege <laughs> and take it where it belongs on the Ruby Princess. Thank you very much.
4: You, you guys are much more relaxed. Like, the Queensland fines are $1,000. And in Victoria, yeah, it's 650, 652 dollars On the job keeper payment, that's like two weeks of not working, okay? That's yeah, cool. and
3: you think outdoing New South Wales cops is something. You guys are all outdoing Queensland cops, so- <laughs> Think about that.
0: Joby Elkey Peterson doesn't... is like waking up in his grave going,
3: Joe for camera. I made it. I did it.
1: The professionals did the models. I was never involved in a model. At least this kind of a
4: model. You're listening to Irrational fear.
1: Well. About four weeks ago we had uh, Professor Hilary Bambrick on to tell us a little bit about the very beginnings of what was going to be a major health crisis in Australia with COVID-19. Yeah. Little did we know it would blow up and be absolutely crazy. Um, Professor Hilary Bambrick, welcome back to Irrational Fear.
6: Thanks, Dan.
1: Now, what can you tell us in terms of um, uh, where we are now compared to four weeks ago? Where are, what are we seeing now in terms of who's getting it, who's dying, and where the modelling is going to be taking us in the next few weeks?
6: Sure. Well, well where we all are is um, in our homes, um, which isn't where we were <laughs> four weeks ago when we had this conversation. We were all out um, looking for toilet paper. But, um, yeah, that that situation may have improved somewhat um, on occasion. But, yeah, look, there have been a number of um, things that have happened in the, in that four weeks. And um, just to give a bit of a snapshot, um, globally there's now about 1.5 million cases Um about 90,000 people have died so far globally. You know what we've heard a lot about is how older people are more susceptible um, to, to COVID-19, and that certainly plays out in the in the data that we've seen. So case fatality overseas is about 10 to 15% in people aged over 70, about 2 to 3% if you're in your 60s, and it goes down to about 1% in your 50s, and um, you know keeps declining below that. Um, in Australia, we're sitting at around 6,000 cases um, at the moment, and we've had a, um, I think 51 deaths was the the count i saw today so we're, we're looking at um you know less than one percent all up but if all if we think about just the age groups um and which of where those deaths have occurred it's actually around three or four percent so they've all occurred in people over you know in, um over 60 so far so yeah and and if we think about it from how australia is doing um with the with this lockdown that we've we've now that we're now experiencing if we hadn't um you know gone into you know had these restrictions in place and there's lots of you know issues and problems and and funny things to talk about with the restrictions but if we hadn't had them this time a week ago we would have hit 6,000 cases Um, and by Monday of this week it would have been 12,000 and by today it would have been 24. So the fact that we've only got 6,000 cases is actually fantastic from Australia's perspective Um, you know we, we really are punching above our weight there. So and and you know we would have had fifty thousand cases by um, by uh, Sunday. So you know things would look, would have been very dire. So these um these measures that have been put in place do seem to be working to some degree.
1: Is that what Trump would call tremendously low? Tremendously low.
6: <laughs> yeah. Look, if we if we just jump to the US for a sec, they're not doing so well. So if we we think about um you know, the number of deaths in Australia per million population, we're, we're at two. Yeah. Um, the US is at 45. So they're, they're definitely, um, you know, not doing particularly well um, when it comes to when it comes to COVID. Um, but they're actually, they're doing better than the UK, which is at 105 deaths per million. Wow. Um, Italy is at 292 and Spain's at um, over 300. So, you know, at, at two per million, we are doing quite well here at the moment.
1: A lot of Australians uh, kind of look towards New Zealand uh, as a, bit of a, a light on the hill in terms of kind of how they do things. Are the way that they're dealing with this health crisis, is it different or is it better than the way we're dealing with it, do you think?
6: Yeah, it's, yeah. they're certainly taken a different approach. So Australia looking at um, kind of long term, you, know, um, you know, we've t- heard about flattening that curve. So what, what Australia is looking at is um, reducing the peak, but having a very long um, period of um, sort of reduced transmission, but still transmission. Whereas New Zealand decided that they were going to actually see if they could they could um contain this completely so you know by going the, the four-week shutdown which is two incubation periods for the for the virus um they're hoping to actually eliminate it in the in the um local population and then maintain the um, border controls in terms of keeping it out
1: but what about people visiting New Zealand like when you know that seems to be like a complete that was that's going to kill their tourism like for the next for them for, for, from now until forever pretty much right
6: yeah, so you could argue that it's a risky situation, but, you know, in Australia we've got the, the same deal happening here as well without that, um, you know, squashing of the curve. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a few reasons why it might work better in New Zealand. One is it's a smaller country and everybody knows that um, everybody else, so you can get a <laughs> handle on what, what everyone else is doing and if they're doing the right thing. Yeah, look, it'll be about, you know, those those controls when they do start opening up um, again, you know, how, how they'll manage to contain and, um, you know, jump onto any, little outbreaks that they might
4: have i believe new zealand just has a group zoom every night just so everyone can catch up (laughs) with everybody else
6: and it's actually
4: and everyone's really polite and everyone mutes themselves and it works really really well oh
1: their internet's so good there too
4: (laughs) 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 can i ask hillary the the question everyone's thinking about is tigers we all suddenly care about tigers now because of a certain show and um three days ago we heard about this this tiger at, at the bronx zoo testing positive coronavirus it, did that surprise you? The fact that this can now cross species, which we all thought it couldn't really do, I guess. And what, well, I guess there?
6: it crossed species to get to us, so you know we shouldn't be too surprised if it can, you know, go back the other way as well. Yeah, um, yeah and look, that I mean, that tiger was in the Bronx Zoo. New York's got the, the you know, extraordinarily high rates of um, rates of infection, um, sort of really rampant disease happening there. So, yeah, and there's, there were some studies um, done of, of people's pets in Wuhan, and, and certainly it can be transmitted to domestic cats dogs I think the jury's still out but certainly to cats um and there's yeah you know the same rules apply if you've got COVID-19 don't kiss your don't kiss your cat
0: just don't kiss your cat I reckon regardless previous (laughs) a year ago don't do it don't do it in five years
3: Got Greg Hunt's new catchphrase, but um, hello. I just, I just wanted to ask. um, We'll first say that QT must be a lot prouder of you than they are of me. But (laughs) secondly, um, everyone keeps talking about how we need to wait for a vaccine, but we're at least twelve months, eighteen months away from a vaccine for this, aren't we?
6: Yeah, that's the received wisdom. Although things are happening a little bit more quickly than they might other happen with with normal sort of vaccine developments. So, um, you know, trials are sort of underway now, um, but it'll take some time before we're assured that it works. So, you know, you, you need a vaccine to actually work and we're not sure that this one will yet um, and you also need it to be safe.
1: Mm. Can we give it to like a bunch of kids and, who are going to like a music <laughs> festival and tell them it's uh, a cool new drug? Um
6: well, I was thinking Parliament House is Parliament's due to reconvene in August, aren't they? So that'd be a yeah. Yeah. great
3: testing ground.
6: Yeah, first <laughs> time
3: any sort of thing like that would ever happen. There's no illicit substances going on in Parliament.
1: <laughs> Speaking of illicit substances, things we can't get our hands on include hand sanitizer. What are some alternatives to hand sanitizer that you've been scoping out, Hillary?
6: So I, I've been really—I um, mean, for a start, it's really hard to get to get your hands on to hand sanitizer, but it's also um, extraordinarily expensive as well. So um my local chemist is selling 100 mils for, for ten dollars now you can buy gin much cheaper than that um, so i did have a, a little look around at, at um how much it might cost if you're going to have an effective hand sanitizer um, made from just using gin um, unfortunately for it to be really effective it needs to be about 60 to 80 percent alcohol so that's you know one hell of a gin so you can't just go your ordinary strength gin you have to go your navy strength which is you know pushing up to the to those kinds of levels
3: so considered
6: soap?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like to um, drink uh, enough gin that I don't care about uh, hand sanitizing anymore or the restrictions or leaving my house. I get all my friends over and we play video games and cricket and uh, we just have an <laughs> orgy. It's really great.
3: Well, talking of cricket, I think Shane Warne has also turned his alcohol company into a hand sanitizer company because he actually is the hero Australia needs right now and the
1: great thing is you can keep it in your pocket when you're playing cricket put it on the ball get a bit of spin
0: (laughs) nothing will ever wash that man's hands completely clean
1: (laughs) look Hilary it's always great to chat with you because you always bring such great existential crisis news to us uh what have we been missing on the other big existential crisis climate change What, what have we kind of missed in this story while we've all been worried about germs
6: yeah. Look, unfortunately, catastrophes don't line up nicely one after the other. So there has been quite a bit going on, um, sort of, you know, in the background. Um, uh, so in terms of in terms of climate change, we've just seen the the third serious bleaching event in five years for the Great Barrier Reef. So that's that's pretty intense. Um, and, you know, and it's it's something that's not going to go away in the near future. You know, we do have um, quite a bit of warming still locked in. So we we expect to see that time and time again. Um, the, obvious, the Pacific's just, um, you know, uh, having, well, at the moment, experiencing a cyclone. So it's just been through, Cyclone Harold has just been through Fiji and through Vanuatu um a category five cyclone um it's heading towards Tonga and that adds um you know a whole other level to dealing with COVID-19 in those countries as well so you've got problems with people trying to isolate when they um you know don't necessarily have a home left after a cyclone's been through and also the the rescuers are putting themselves at risk when Mm. they have to go and um, help people as well.
1: Is COVID I don't know if you know about COVID in the Pacific how prevalent is it throughout Pacific nations?
6: Yes, so some of them are doing quite well. So Kiribati was one of the first countries to shut its borders and it did that um, the night before I was due to wow. head there in February, so that was a bit of a downer. But um, they've, they've done well so far, no cases. By keeping out, you know, filthy Australians, <laughs> they've um, managed to protect themselves there. It is it is of considerable concern in the Pacific because you do have in some countries... Um, sort of high rates of underlying chronic illness um, that, that contribute to high mortality and you also don't necessarily have the same level of um, medical care that you might be able to get elsewhere right. as well.
4: I think we talked about this last time I was on Rational Fear with you, Hillary, in, in Brisbane, in the great state of Queensland. <laughs> but I keep thinking about the fact that I read, the article I read somewhere that when the permafrost, if the permafrost melts, uh, there are some fucked up diseases hiding under there, like black plague shit. That's going to escape if that kind of melts, and that'd be, you know, like nothing, nowhere close to what we're dealing with now, or, or at least be seriously worse, right? Well, well tell everyone good. about that and make <laughs> them feel good. About this. <laughs> this isn't even as bad as it's going to get.
6: <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Tom. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to those um, those those reindeer corpses again, if you like, and the anthrax in Siberia, which was. Um, what we talked about last time with the yeah the melting permafrost and, and issues there. So yeah, look, climate change does um, you know compound the problems that we might be experiencing, or or you know certainly create new ones that we thought were were long gone.
1: Anyway, happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> happy Easter. Well, let's do talk about some good news. Pandas are fucking. Yes, yes. Uh, in Hong Kong, yeah. Ocean Park Zoo, Lei and Ying Ying have gotten it on and they succeeded in fucking, yes, around 9 a.m., On Tuesday morning, for the first time ever, Uh, apparently Yingying and Lili arrived in 2007 to Ocean Park Zoo uh, and they've been trying to get it on since 2010, uh, but they've only succeeded until now, 20 years on, just fucking (laughs) getting it on. Uh, Amy, you love this story.
3: Not even succeeded at conceiving. They've just succeeded at having Uh sex which is my favourite part of uh, story. That's the real success. That is the real success. Just, you know, just taking it from behind. Just like, bam, the planets aligned, the pandas just went, you know what, the humans are busy, let's give them something to look at, to feel better about, to show them how it's done. We're finally going to make this happen. And as a serious political reporter in the corridors of power in this country... It was the greatest story of this week.
0: (laughs) Well, you must be so used to people fucking while everyone's watching in Parliament House.
3: I believe believe there's still a bonk ban in place. It doesn't happen. No sex,
0: leave with are Barron.
3: <laughs> uh, male giant
1: pandas are bad at working out when a female is likely to welcome their advances and bad at knowing what to do next if they do happen to stumble upon a willing mate, uh, reads the Guardian article. In the unlikely event they get around to having sex, they're often too quick about the whole business to get the female pregnant. Oh, pandas. So they're a straight
3: man then. Oh! oh! <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh, she went there. Damn. Two glasses of wine.
0: Boom.
3: <laughs> Honestly, yes, I think. Yes. Does, I was just going to say, if anything puts like the idea that you know homosexuality or anything on the queer spectrum is a choice uh, to to rest, is the fact that women are still interested in straight <laughs> men. <Tom. laughs>
4: we did it. <laughs> In your
3: face, Lawson, Dan. Goodbye,
0: baby. Yeah.
4: Woo-woo. It's it's like
0: in some ways it's so baffling that they're like, oh, my God, do you guys know that all it took for pandas to start fucking was for not the entire world to put the pressure on them to fuck constantly because it's like the guardian is coming in now and they're like oh isn't this great the guardian and and, and the like come in every fucking week with they're like oh fufu and wang wang still haven't fucked And you're like, if you put global pressure on anyone fucking they can't do it people can't even pee with people watching and now you want them to fuck that's not everyone's kink
2: A rational fear. Both pandas seem more excited. Your fear is rational. Position is crucial because of the male's disproportionately short penis.
1: Up next, comedian Marcus Ryan does stand-up from his cancelled Melbourne Comedy Festival show, but you may have heard that Boris Johnson is in intensive care in a UK hospital. I spoke with him earlier. Prime Minister, first and foremost, how
2: are you feeling? Well, I tip-top down never felt better. Like Julius Caesar after a mere flesh wound, I shall stride like a colossus, my antipodean compadre. You see, the thing about being close to death is that it makes you feel like, um... Like a, like a god? Ostensibly, yes, but I was going to say Prince Philip. But fret thee not about me, I beat Brexit and I'll beat coronavirus. I'm already prognosticating a deal on COVID exit. What is COVID exit? It is the necessitous egress that we all supplicate and I will negotiate a hard completion of the novel coronavirus before October 30th. I don't think you
1: can negotiate with a virus, Boris.
2: That sounds like abnegation to me and I refuse to accept it. Just like my test results, you need to be positive. One hundred percent of the time. I tell my nurses here in ICU, keep all bad news away from me. Let it be gone because it will make me feel glum. I only want to hear good news. Then I shake their hands and I wish them well. Prime Minister, I don't think you should be shaking anyone's hand. Ah, poppycock. By shaking their hands, I'm making sure our NHS keeps ahead of the herd. Don't you mean ahead of the curve? No, I mean herd. If I, for instance, acquire immunity before anyone else, I'll be ahead of the herd in terms of absolutus publicus. The people of the United Kingdom are cattle, and I am the chief bull. My father once told a story about a daddy bull and a baby bull standing atop a hill. The baby bull says, Daddy, let's run down there and fuck one of those pretty cows. And the daddy bull says, Ah, no, son, let's walk down and fuck them all. Do you see? My job is to strut around and dominate the paddock, so to speak.
1: (coughs) You mean you're going to fuck everyone?
2: Well, that is a rather crass and boorish way of putting it, but yes.
1: Well, uh, Prime Minister, all the best. I hope you're feeling better soon.
2: I feel about as good as Jeremy Corbyn must have felt when he finally handed the hot potato of opposition to Keir Starmer. Uh, Who? Precisely. (laughs) Are you you okay, Prime Minister? I'm fine. (coughs) It's the fumes from painting all these buses. <coughs> I, I like model buses. I like painting them. I see the people in, in the windows. Lovely.
1: Rupert Degas has Boris Johnson there. Well, he has performed in over 50 countries and on six continents. He does stand-up in Spanish, but tonight he's doing it all in English. Thank goodness it is Marcus Ryan. Hey!
7: i brought my own microphone just to just to feel like i'm a, <laughs> doing a gig <laughs> hey, um I'm, I'm a normally topical comedian so uh there's not much going on in the news so i'll just uh, <laughs> i uh i'm actually supposed to be doing a gig tonight in front of 400 people filming a special uh instead tonight i'm performing in my bedroom uh on zoom so <laughs> things are going well for me um i'm liking this it's uh it's not the first time performing on webcam, but uh, first first time with, um, with my pants <laughs> on. So it's uh, <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough time to try and try and make a buck at the moment. You know, I, uh, I I like the positivity that people are having. They're all saying we're all in this together, and I like that. Uh, I think what they're saying is the Centrelink cue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like uh, not working. I found out about uh, mid March that uh, I was losing my whole years of work as a live performer, and uh, and I had to call my family and tell them. I said uh, I got on the phone. I spoke to my dad, and uh, and we're not a very emotive family, but uh, he he felt for me and he said, you know what, I, I saw this coming and uh, I support you and you can come home and uh, and I just want you to know that me and me and your mum are really proud of you and uh, you're definitely our favourite child. And I thought, wow, isn't this amazing? It took a global pandemic for my dad to show some emotion. <laughs> <laughs> and as was mum on the phone he was putting mum on the phone, he said, make sure you say hi to your wife and kids for us. I said, dad, I think you're talking to the wrong <laughs> <person."> <laughs> but I don't. I don't like not working. I swallowed my pride. I even went down to a business. I put on a good suit and I went down and I said, do you mind if I give you my CV? And, uh, and the guy behind the desk, he looked really arrogant and kind of sarcastic and he looked me up and down and he said, uh, we're not hiring, good luck. And then I leaned in closer and I coughed on him and I said, when I said CV, I didn't mean my resume.
4: <laughs>
7: <laughs> You're the one that's going to need a lot of luck. So there you go. <laughs> I, uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of people are finding it tough, a lot of businesses are being affected. I feel sorry for the uh, for the old school businesses, you know, the people who, who always dealt with a traditional handshake, you know, that's all it was. They can't do that anymore. And I'm wondering how are they going to tell whether someone's going to screw them over or not, you know, like at the end of the deal when something goes wrong, they're not going to be able to say, hey, man, I thought we had a deal. We we rubbed elbows.
6: <laughs> yeah.
7: Some people are turning to crime to get through this. I don't know if you guys saw in the news there was a, uh, a, a thief stole a Van Gogh uh, painting went into the Van Gogh Museum, just walked in and took it. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I believe that thief deserves a good uh, clip around the ear. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Thanks very much. A few yeah, art lovers yeah. in the crowd. I like that.
5: Very good. Very
7: good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but... Um, I've gotten really good. I, I don't want to brag, but I've gotten really good at this whole twenty-second hand-washing thing. Uh, my best time so far is eight point nine seven
6: seconds.
3: Pretty happy
7: with that. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of restrictions going on with the with the coronavirus. Of course, you know, first it was under five hundred, then a hundred, then ten. And, uh, and I thought the restrictions had got out of hand uh, when I walked past an apartment building and I saw a sign that said, tenants parking only. And I thought, wow! I didn't know that ants could even drive.
4: Boo! suffering enough. <laughs> it should have gone
7: viral. That's a good, good joke. Uh, weddings, weddings are down to five people now. There's a lot of traditional fathers of the brides who are who are nudging their daughters, saying, "Come on, now's the time. Lock it down. Save some dollars." There. <laughs> Uh, funerals are down to ten people, and uh, and 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 I actually went out to uh, do some exercise the other day, and I got stuck in traffic. A funeral procession drove by. I had to wait ten to fifteen seconds for that car <laughs> to pass. It's, uh, the full car must have been a pretty popular person. I uh, I don't know if you know, but speaking of deaths, um, Bill Withers died. Uh, I saw that. I'm, I'm hot on the news of that. I saw that Bill Withers died. And I went out to see my mum and she said I just heard on the radio that Bill Withers died and I said mum I know 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 26 26. It would be a few, uh, Bill Withers fans would be upset if hey, I didn't yeah. do the full 20s. <laughs> but, uh, a lot of people, are, a lot of people, try to be really positive about it. You know, they're saying like, "Oh, uh, did you know Shakespeare wrote King Lear uh, while in quarantine?" And and I'm wondering what's going to happen in 50 years uh, when we talk to our grandkids. You know, what are they going to say? What did you do? Did you write a great novel? Yeah, uh, granddad. And I'll be like, oh, no, but look at this. I danced on a TikTok for 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I told some people. I told some people on some Facebook forums. and uh, I, didn't, I didn't write a novel, but I'll tell you a great story, young girl. Sit on my lap and I'll tell you a great story. It's a, it's a fantasy story of, of kings and tigers. And there was these two heroes that went off to leave their team in search of the king's crystals. And did they find the crystals, Grandad? Oh yes, they did find the crystal. And and did that give them powers, Grandad? Oh no, no, it was a cursed crystal. Yes. What happened to them, Grandad? Well, one of them lost all of his teeth, and he also lost his <laughs> shirt for some reason. And what happened to the other one? Well, he lost his mind. Oh, did he go crazy, Grandad? No, he blew his brains out.
3: So uh, that's uh, that's a little bit of
7: <laughs> oh, and there was and. There there was a and there was a wicked witch and what happened to him to her granddad? Well, she fed her husband to tigers and lions. Oh, and did she get caught? Oh no, she did. She did not. And why didn't she get caught? I don't know, darling. That's the thing we're all very confused about. So, <laughs> there you go. That's a little bit of tiger thinking. Uh, whatever. That's funny. This is all brand new it's material. It's good, I'm trying it out on a bucket.
4: Why? Why are you doing new shit? Why are you doing shit
3: I've
7: had, I've, I've had, um, people get a bit nervous though. They say, they say, you know, they don't want to talk to people in public. And I, I know that when we do the general greeting, when we say, uh, how are you, you know, I think that's changed now because everybody's actually coming up and saying before you come any closer,
6: how <laughs> are <laughs> you?
7: You know, um, I'm trying to get through isolation though myself. I'm reading a book. Uh, it's Nelson Mandela's uh, autobiography. And that actually puts you in a bit of perspective, you know, of 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 how good some people have it. I mean, this guy, he managed to write a whole book while he was in isolation. Uh, he had, he had He had a few more years up his sleeve to be able to do it, though. So he did well. Um, if anyone does want to read this book, just a heads up, it is 600 and something pages. It does take a long time. Um, especially if you did what I did, and I've chosen to try and read it uh, in his voice. <laughs> it's, it's been four months already, and I'm through one chapter. So I think that's good enough. Uh, my name's Hey,
1: Marcus, Ryan. Anything to plug,
7: Marcus? Uh, yeah, look, um, if, if half of your fans would go ahead and like it and subscribe to my pages, I would probably still be dead inside. <laughs> so, um, no. no, look, I've got nothing to plug except I'm doing a whole bunch of silly videos on YouTube and on my social media, so you can find me thank on Thank you,
1: Marcus. Page. Please, uh, thank you also to our Fear Mongers tonight, Amy Ramikas, Hilary Bambrick, Tom Ballard, Lewis Hobber. Do you guys have anything to plug, Hillary? Hilary?
6: Oh, only don't forget about climate change and, um, you know, keep the New South Wales government honest. They've just tried to explore. They've just approved expanding a coal mine in New South Wales while nobody was looking.
1: That's a solid plug. Amy, do you have anything to plug?
3: Exactly what Hillary just said.
4: <laughs> Tom Ballard? Uh, I'd like to plug forgetting about climate change. You know, I've got other shit on, so don't worry about that.
3: <laughs> um,
4: subscribe to my podcast, like, I'm a Six-Year-Old. I'm talking to people about uh, the politics and stuff that's going on. Kayla Bond was this week's guest. Uh, which was very Oh, good. how was
1: Caleb Lund? Was he good? Uh, he was a ridiculous,
0: lovely man who's wrong about
1: everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really want to have him. Been, Lewis and I have been thinking about having on the Rational FIFA. Uh, I,
0: I can't stress enough. I have not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's always something to be scared of. Until next week,
0: goodbye.